WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The five candidates running in the August 2nd primary to represent Michigan's 38th State House District squared off in a forum on Thursday. The three Republicans and two Democrats were asked how they think the state should address the shortage of affordable housing. Republican Troy Rowling gave a free market answer. I don't think the government can do anything at all. It goes back to the amount of people that you have to be able to do the work. If there is no workers to build houses, I can create an incentive. If there's no people to do it, then the incentive is a waste of time. Republican Kevin Whiteford said communities need to allow small houses, adding he himself is working to build small homes in Berrien County. Republican George Lucas had similar thoughts, saying zoning laws should allow more types of housing, including small homes. Democrat Annie Brown said the city of Muskegon has a good housing program. The city of Muskegon buys up vacant lots, hires a contractor to build homes, and then they are sold for under $200,000. I think that's a great way to do it. Democrat Joey Andrews said short-term rentals need to be reined in, and the state should provide a subsidy for the construction of apartments and single-family homes to get costs down. Whoever wins in November will be the first person elected to represent the 38th District, which was created with the state's redistricting commission. The 38th hugs the Lake Michigan coast all the way from New Buffalo to Saugatuck. In the coming days, we'll hear more from our candidates. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has approved a resolution stating the county's opposition to a proposed state law that would impose new restrictions on what the county treasurer and register of deeds offices can charge for records. According to the resolution approved last night and endorsed by Treasurer Shelley Wyke and Register of Deeds Laura Freeling, the legislation would allow for-profit companies to demand official records for a significant discount or no charge at all and then benefit financially from them. On the Register of Deeds office, if those bills passed, it could significantly reduce revenues collected for copies and would basically take funds that we use to pay for the office and it would then put a burden on the taxpayer. Freeling says that the legislation would also cause staffing issues for the treasurer, creating an additional burden. According to the resolution, the state legislation is being lobbied for by real estate company Zillow. Buchanan resident and Army veteran Mike Heiliger has been hired as the new director of the Berrien County Road Department. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners approved that hire on Thursday night. Heiliger took to Facebook to announce his new position, saying he was excited to start the next chapter of his life and begin his second career. He said he's looking forward to being part of the team at the Berrien County Road Department and serving the citizens of the county. Heiliger is new to the County Road Department. Boss Services and Honor Credit Union have stepped forward to help the Curious Kids Museum in St. Joseph following a fire there this week. The fire discovered on Tuesday damaged the attic, ceiling, and walls, mostly due to water and foam from firefighters. Now the Curious Kids Museum is closed for the rest of the summer. Boss Services started a GoFundMe the next day and offered to match donations up to $5,000. The crowdfunding effort reached about half of that, but then today, Honor Credit Union stepped in. Museum Director Lori Marciniak accepted checks from the two on Friday morning. Started with Boss Services calling and saying, could we start a GoFundMe for you and we will match the first 5000 And I said, obviously, yes, thank you so much. That's something I haven't even had time to think about. So amazing. And then yesterday, Honor Credit Union contacted us and said we'd like to tag along for the ride and help too and add another 2500 to that. 
Jeff Street with Boss Services told us his crew is sad to learn of the fire. My kids love Curious Kids Museum and it's, I mean, it's a staple of the community. It's sad that it's shut down in the middle of summer. You know, it's a busy time. It's when everybody wants to go. But my kids were sad when I told them it was shut down and you can't not help. The crowdfunding campaign still has a few days to go to raise more for the museum. Marciniak says the past few days have been a flurry of activity with ServPro working in the building to help Curious Kids recover. And she's talked a lot with insurance representatives. The water and foam damage were more extensive than previously thought, but she said no one was hurt and it could have been worse. Benton Harbor's Donovan Frazier Jr. has racked up another honor. Sherry Ulig with the Boys and Girls Club of Benton Harbor tells us Donovan has won the local club's Youth of the Year Award this year. Then he won the state title. And he didn't stop there. He spoke at a dinner at the Radisson downtown Chicago. And following that event, he was named Midwest Region Youth of the Year. Now that he's the Midwest Youth of the Year, he'll get a $20,000 scholarship. That should come in handy when he heads off to Indiana University to study social work in the fall. You look told us more about Donovan. Donovan is such a disciplined young man. I think that that's part of what is helping him become really successful. He found Taekwondo through the club, and he's worked really hard with Ready Taekwondo here in Benton Harbor. Donovan's an honor roll student. He's played bas- baseball, ran track, and was captain of his senior basketball team. He'll now compete for the national title of Youth of the Year in October against five other young people. That title comes with a $50,000 scholarship. And just about everyone is feeling the pain of the pump. However, gas prices are starting to fall. According to AAA of Michigan, prices are averaging $4.95 a gallon for unleaded. Patrick DeHaan is the head of gas analyst at Gas Buddy. He says prices are falling for now, and with a looming recession, they could fall further. If we get into a significant recession, we could see oil prices falling enough that retail gas prices could fall back under $4 a gallon. So there's just a lot of questions, you know, including the degree of the recession. That will all drive prices uh, potentially to a different level, depending on, on how deep of a recession we enter. DeHaan says gas price trends may be a bit unpredictable going forward. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. A rare honor for former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who died today after being shot while giving a campaign speech for a political candidate. Here's ABC's Justin Finch. Calling former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe a faithful friend to the United States, President Biden ordered U.S. flags to be flown at half-staff until sunset Sunday in Abe's honor. Biden signed a condolence book at the Japanese embassy in Washington, saluted Abe's partnerships with past U.S. presidents, and Abe's work to uphold democracy. President Biden added adding that Abe's death appears unlikely to fracture U.S.-Japanese ties. Fumio, the present prime minister, is a very solid guy. Japan is a very, very stable ally. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. The assassination of former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe shocked a world that's come to associate Japan with relatively low crime and strict gun control. The suspect apparently circumvented the nation's tight gun regulations by building his own weapon. Police say the 15-inch device was obviously homemade. One expert compared it to a muzzle loader. Authorities confiscated similar weapons when they raided the suspect's nearby one-room apartment. Abe was shot in the back while campaigning in the city of Nara for candidates for his governing party. He died at a hospital two days ahead of parliamentary elections. 
Now signed is a new executive order from President Biden to protect abortion access in the U.S. The order engages federal agencies to blunt some of the legal impact of last month's Supreme Court decision overturning the constitutional right to abortion. Facing pressure from fellow Democrats, President Biden signed an executive order aimed at protecting access to reproductive health care. The president now directing the Justice and Health and Human Services Departments to oppose efforts restricting access to federally approved abortion medications or limiting out-of-state travel for abortion care. The fastest way to restore Roe is to pass a national law codifying Roe, which I will sign immediately upon its passage. I'm at my desk. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. Mourners are remembering three of the seven people killed by the gunman who opened fire on a 4th of July, July parade near Chicago. Services for 63-year-old Jacqueline Sundheim and 88-year-old Stephen Strauss were held today. Friends and family also plan to gather in memory of 78-year-old Nicholas Toledo Zaragoza. The suspect in the killings has been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. Prosecutors expect, expect to bring more charges representing the more than 30 people who were wounded in the assault in the affluent suburb of Highland Park. The CDC is sounding a new alarm over COVID-19. More from ABC's Derek Dennis. CDC data shows three-quarters of the U.S. population live in a county with a high or medium community risk for contracting COVID-19. Specifically, about a third live in a high-risk county, meaning there's a high potential for healthcare system strain. And nearly 42% live in a medium-risk county, where there's some impact on the healthcare system and more people with severe disease. In Florida, nearly every county is currently considered high-risk. New York County, which covers Manhattan, Manhattan is also back in the high-risk category, with residents being urged to wear masks. Derek Dennis, ABC News. Inflation is raging, the stock market's tumbling, and interest rates are rising. American consumers are depressed and angry. Economists warn of potentially dark times ahead, but employers keep on hiring. The Labor Department reported today America's dinged and dented economy managed to add another 372,000 jobs in June, well above the 275,000 economists had expected. Unemployment rate is at 3.6%, just a tick above the 50-year low that was recorded just before the pandemic flattened the economy in early 2020. President Biden appears to be satisfied with the June jobs report. ABC's Faith Abube is from the White House has more on the president's reaction. The June jobs report is better than analysts expected, and President Biden is not passing up on the chance to hone in on that. In a statement, the president credits what he says was his administration's decisive action to get the economy back on track after it was battered by the COVID pandemic. In a rare mention of his predecessor's name, Biden touts, quote, more Americans working in the private sector today than any day during Donald Trump's presidency. President Biden, however, does caution that the job growth is likely to slow down in coming months, but says that is not a bad thing because it'll mean stable growth for the U.S. economy. Faith Abube, ABC News. Border Patrol agents on horseback engaged in, quote, unnecessary use of force against non-threatening Haitian immigrants, but did not whip any with their reins, according to a federal investigation of chaotic scenes along the Texas-Mexico border last fall. Video of the confrontation sparked widespread condemnation in a 511-page report released today. Customs and Border Protection blamed a, quote, lack of command control and communication for mounted agents using their horses to forcibly block and move migrants at the Rio Grande during an influx of Haitians arriving last September to the U.S. border town outside of Del Rio, Texas. 
And the mayor of Uvalde, Texas, is contradicting an assessment of a law enforcement response to the Robb Elementary School shooting. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. Mayor Don McLaughlin said no Uvalde Police Department officer saw the shooter on May 24th prior to him entering Robb Elementary School. The mayor said in a statement without offering evidence that no Uvalde police officers had any opportunity to take a shot at the gunman. That directly contradicts the assessment from Texas State University's Alert Center, which said an officer had the suspect in his sights but paused to seek permission that he didn't need, and by the time he took aim again, the shooter had entered the building. The contradictory assessments are of no comfort to victims' families. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast. 